This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. To the book of Philippians chapter 4. We just want to read a few verses, starting from chapter, or sorry, verse 4. So Philippians chapter 4 and reading from verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Pastor has already mentioned the coronavirus, and we have seen over these last 10 days, two weeks, the panic in many areas of the world, especially China, that it has caused. And it would seem that that panic is extending to various countries. And in a way, it shows us that very, very quickly, the world's peace can be stripped away just through a, a rumor of uh, this disease spreading. Panic can set in. Masks are worn by everyone. I remember back the SARS epidemic in the early 2000s, and the same principle came to pass. It was as if everyone was frozen with panic and peace went out the window. But it's interesting here that Paul is talking to the Philippians. And to set it in this context, Paul is writing to the Philippians from jail, a place where you would expect peace to be non-existent. And he talks to the Philippians about the suffering that they're going through. In the midst of their suffering, you would expect peace to be non-existent. They have people coming into the church from outside the church, attacking them, trying to draw them back from the peace that they have in the gospel, back into Judaism, and they're suffering abuse left, right, and center. Here, you would expect peace to be non-existent. Just the verses just in chapter 4 before we read, we see a disunity attempting to come into the church, between, especially between two women, but you would expect a peace to be non-existent. But isn't it wonderful that Philippians is a book about joy? Mm -hmm. A book about joy in the midst of suffering. And to have that joy, there's a peace that comes with it. And Paul talks in verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Rejoice. 
In the verses we have read, Paul gives three commands. We're to rejoice, we're to persevere, and we're to not be anxious about anything. And Paul talks to the Philippians from the foundation of peace and joy. A peace and a joy that is found only in Christ. Sometimes I wonder when I think about my own life, when troubles come in, and sometimes it doesn't have to be a very serious trouble. Sometimes we just get so caught up in the small mundane things and we start to lose our peace. But the scriptures encourage us to rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Love the way Paul puts it because the, 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 the word rejoice is in the present tense. Paul saying always rejoice. It's not just for a specific situation and then it's never there again. The rejoicing and the nature of the rejoicing that Paul's talking about is always rejoice. Mm -hmm. Always rejoice. Isn't it interesting? He says always. And then he says it again. I will say rejoice. He's trying to drive the point home because he says it twice. Rejoice and rejoice and keep rejoicing. But the important part of the sentence is in the Lord. Our rejoicing is, has its foundation and our peace is in the Lord. It's not a rejoicing that has no connection to anything, but it's a, a rejoicing that has its connection to the Lord himself. That's where our joy comes from this morning. Paul straight in to the Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say, rejoice. And it's interesting where this is. Just before it, Paul's talking about the disunity that is trying to enter into the Philippian church. And then he's going to talk about anxiousness, worry, fear, doubt that is common to us all. And Paul puts right in the middle of it, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. That's the foundation that Paul launches forward in, the rejoicing that we find in the Lord. He says in verse 5, let your reasonableness, reasonableness, it's hard to say that, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Let your reasonableness, let that character of joy that God has given us in our salvation let that be known to everyone. And again, because he's going to talk about being anxious, he's saying, let that rejoicing and that peace that permeates your life from your salvation that you've received in Christ, let it be known to everyone. Who's the everyone? Well, first and foremost, it's to those in the church. We learn from one another. We look at one another and we encourage one another in Christ. When people see how we go through times of trouble, it encourages them. Isn't it amazing that many of the time the church in the midst of trouble, we think of the time of the Reformation and we can count so many times in history, we go through the book of Acts and we see the church in the midst of all of that suffering and it grows. Paul actually talked in Philippians about how he's in jail 
And he says about the boldness of the saints because he was in jail and because of what the Lord was doing through his life. And he says they have become more bold to share the gospel. We learn from one another. We encourage one another. Lisa's going to be giving her testimony tonight. What is it going to do? It's going to encourage us. It's going to cause us to rejoice. Not that we can get through, but because we get through by the strength of Christ alone in us. And it brings rejoicing to one another. But it also is a witness to the world that God reigns in his church. God brings joy to his church. I was talking to a guy last week, a couple of weeks ago in, church, in, in work, and he basically, he's been saved a couple of years. And I asked him just where we were, where we were talking and says, well, how, how did you become a Christian? How were you saved? And he told me a story. He says, I looked at guys around me who were Christians, and I knew there was something in them that I didn't have. They had a peace. They had a joy. They had something that I needed. I think that explains us well. The witness that we are in our place of work, the witness that we are in our colleges, in our schools, in our everyday life, of God working in our life, for that joy, that deep joy that Christ has given us through our salvation. And just to give us an example of that, it's not a joy that we always have a big smile on our face and everything's rosy with the world, because that's not true. There are tough times, there are hard times, but it's the joy, the deep joy of salvation, of knowing that we are in Christ, that makes us go forward steadily, all the time moving forward. They see that. We see it in one another and the world sees it. Not that they see a smile all the time, but they see the church going forward in the strength of Christ. That's a witness to one another and a witness to the world. But I love what Paul says next in verse 5. Well, actually, if I guess verse 5, let your reasons be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. I'm glad he puts this right here because it encourages us that in our witness and in our everyday life to the world and to one another, it's because the Lord is near. It encourages us. We look forward to that. The Lord is at hand. And really what it means, the Lord is at hand, it means two things. He's coming again, which means we have a hope and we have a future. He's coming again for his church. He's coming again for his people. And he is going to bring us on to himself. He is in heaven preparing a place for us for a future day. And he's coming quickly. Revelation ends with that. Come, Lord Jesus. He is coming again. So in our, in our struggles of today... We're looking forward to the coming Lord and knowing that it is only for a season and it is only for a time. But secondly, what it means, the Lord is at hand, that he is close, that he is near, and he is available at every step of the way that we walk today. 
right at this very second, and the seconds are taken away as I'm talking, the Lord is near. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is available. And we can draw upon his strength in all of those situations. He is present in time, this very moment. Tomorrow, he's there. The day after, he's there. Next week, he's there for his people. Next month, he's there for his people. Next year, he's there for his people. For every year that we're on this earth, the Lord is at hand, and he brings us through. Amen. We know the phrase, and we've said it, and I've thought about this recently. You know, the Lord will never give us more than we can handle. Can I suggest that that's not true? He will always give us more than we can handle. Because he is our strength. We need his strength. We need his power to handle what he gives us. Because if we can handle what he gives us, then it's in our own strength. But he gives us a strength from outside of ourselves that carries us through. We'll talk about these few things in a moment. Jesus said, or the writer of the Hebrews said, that Jesus, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never leave you will always have his presence. I will never forsake you. We will always have his power in every situation of life. What an encouragement statement that Paul says, the Lord is at hand. And with that foundation, Paul can say the next statement in verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. There's three things Paul says, and we'll just look briefly at these three today. He said, do not be anxious. And he only can say that because he has set the foundation that the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious. It's a command. He doesn't suggest it. He doesn't say, now try to not be anxious. He said, do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. You know the old song from the 80s? And it has no foundation. But you'll know it once I start reading the words. Here's a little song I wrote. You might want to sing it note for note. Don't worry. Be happy. In every life we have some trouble. When you worry, you make it double. Don't worry. Be happy. Second verse, ain't got no place to lay your head. Somebody came and took your bed. Don't worry. Be happy. Some terrible songs written in the 80s, wasn't it? The the landlord says your rent is late. He may have to litigate. Don't worry. Be happy. I remember that song. Well, I'm not old. But I want to suggest that that song has become a mantra for the world, but it has absolutely no foundation to answer, don't worry, be happy. What are you going to do? What are you going to do in the midst of trouble? The world says, don't worry, just be happy. It'll all go away. It'll work itself out somehow. But there's no foundation to it. 
absolutely no foundation at all. It's become a cliche. Don't worry, be happy. And you're stressed. And there's demands being made upon you that you can't meet. But the Christian must understand the magnitude of this statement about do not be anxious. Because who's Paul quoting here? Paul's quoting Jesus in Matthew 5, 25 to 34. And he says, do not worry. Do not worry about what you will eat or what you will wear. Don't worry about any of it. Now, when we say don't worry, it means we just can't switch our brains off. Really what Paul is saying, he says, don't, it's okay to be concerned about these things and to plan and to look forward and think, right, we need this, we need this, we need this. And to take that everyday concern about these things. But it's not to let that anxiousness overwhelm us as Christian people to the point where we cannot function, to the point where we lose all perspective in life and we lose our joy in the Lord and we lose our peace that God gives us. Paul's saying, don't let this fear, this worry, these situations overwhelm you because your foundation is in the Lord himself. What a picture that Paul quotes from Jesus. Jesus said, God knows. God knows what you need and he will give it to you. God knows what you need to eat. God knows what you need to wear and he will give it to you. He will meet all of those needs. But seek first the kingdom of heaven and these things will be added onto you. It's about perspective when it comes to worry and fear and anxiousness. Paul says, don't let it overwhelm you. Don't be overwhelmed. And again, our background is trouble. Paul, I'm in prison. You're suffering within the church and you're suffering without the church. Do not be anxious because the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious. Then he gives them the cure for anxiousness. And it's also in verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. The cure for anxiousness is prayer. And this is sometimes where we struggle. But the cure for our anxiousness, to stop things overwhelming us, is prayer. And that prayer is key because we've heard that the Lord is at hand. All the strength, all the power, and all the might, and we've been singing about it today, that God is everything to us. And yet we won't ask him. And yet we won't pray. In everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. Let them be known to God. Our prayer has a focus. Our prayers don't come out of our mouths and hit the ceiling. Our prayers have a focus. 
and their God, the one who can supply all of our needs according to his riches. Paul's not just talking simply here. He's trying to get their whole minds and their whole hearts focused on what they have to do. And it's to focus on God. The focus of our prayer is God himself. Let me just read a few verses to you. I think just these verses pointed out the importance of prayer. Luke 3 and 21. Now, when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened. In 6 and 12 of Luke, in these days he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. 9.18. Now it happened that as he was praying alone, the disciples were with him, and he asked them, who do the crowd say that I am? And he goes on. But here's Jesus praying again. In verses 28 and 29. Now about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered and his clothing became dazzling white. Jesus is praying. Luke 11, verses 1 to 4. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray... Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us, give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Jesus is praying and his disciples need to be taught to pray. In 18 and 1, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. 22 and 32. <coughs> Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And in verses 40 and 46. And when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And being in agony, in verse 24, or 44, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And great sweats, sweat like blood, was falling down from him. I think... Luke explains the need for prayer particularly well. The Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, makes his requests known to the Father. How much more we today? In everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Prayer and supplication and thanksgiving. You know, 
commentators talk about, you could split that into different types of prayer. And that's true. I think as we pray, we need to have certain types of prayer. You know, when we were at college and we were preparing prayers, and we used the, the acronym ACTS, A, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. And it's good to have those keys and those pointers in all types of prayer. But all types of prayer go to God himself. And we make our requests known to him. And I think it just clearly shows us the sufficiency of this prayer. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer. Don't miss that. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer. The everything of God overcomes the anything of worry and fear and anxiousness. God has it all sorted. He is our strength. He is our peace. And he is our rock. He can do abundantly above everything that we can ask or think. His everything overcomes anything. What a God we serve. What a God we have. Paul's encouraging the Philippians. Do not be anxious because you have God. Let your requests be made known to God. He's responsible for our needs. In the Old Testament, the father died and everything was passed to the eldest son. And the eldest son then became responsible for the whole household. Everyone with fell under that household, he was responsible to meet their needs, to provide for them, whether it was food, whether it was clothing, whether it was wages. They were under his protection. They were under his authority. They were under his provision. Who are we under? We're under Christ, and he is at hand to meet all of our needs and all of our worries and things that would try to overwhelm us. He's responsible for them all, and he has promised. Because he has, if you're born again here this morning, the Spirit of God, you are adopted into his family. And when you're adopted, you have the full provision of the family and the head of the family. He is more than enough. Do not be anxious. He gives them the cure for anxiousness. And then he gives them finally the replacement for anxiousness. Verse 7. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I love the first word of verse 7. And sometimes we just read right over the top of that. All we see is the peace of God. But it says, and. The moment you make your request, it anticipates an answer. It anticipates the prayer to be answered. Because if we're making our request known to God, then he hears our prayer. 
and he answers. It's not, it's and. It doesn't say, and maybe he will give you the peace of God. Maybe, perhaps, and the peace of God. It's important that we see the details when we read scripture Mm -hmm. because it can change how we feel in a moment. Mm -hmm. And the peace of God. And notice it's the peace of God. It doesn't say, and God will give you peace. He's not describing a peace. It's not an adjective. And God will give you a peace. But I see the word there as a noun. The peace of God. Which tells us it's not a peace that God gives to us in general. It's his very peace that he gives to us. That's why we can survive when things seem to come against us and try to overwhelm us. God gives us his peace. The peace of God. It's a transaction. God gives us his peace. We need a peace that comes from another world. We need that peace. Because that statement tells me I don't have that peace. That statement tells me that peace doesn't survive and live within me. That tells me that that peace has to come from somewhere else and from someone else. It's his peace that he gives to us. And it is ours through his saving grace. It is ours through part of that package of salvation. Where does our salvation come? Not within ourselves. It's from him and from him alone. That's why we have that peace and have access to that peace of God. And it's more than enough. It's the everything that overcomes the anything. The nature of this peace, it surpasses all understanding. It surpasses. It's more than. It's supernatural. It excels. It's superior. It is above that we can ask or think. That's the peace of God that he gives to us. It counteracts that overwhelming, but it also gives us more so that we can be at peace in the midst of what should be overwhelming us. That panic and that fear and that doubt and that worry, that's common to us all. But we make our request to God, I need your peace in the midst of this. And it encourages me, because it tells me the situation may not change at that moment. God chooses when to free us from the sufferings of life. But what it does promise me is his peace in the midst of the suffering of life. It's what we need every single day. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. What does it do? Will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Will. Will. We've talked about those little words. And 
will guard your hearts and your minds. When anxiousness comes, what's the first place it hits? Our hearts and our minds. That's what the enemy wants to get at, our hearts and our minds. We lose heart. Our mind runs rampant. We lose perspective. We lose hope. We lose faith. And we're all over the place. And we've been there. And probably will be there again until we keep learning to go to God, to go to God, to go to God. But this peace guards our hearts and our minds. And there is a language that means one who is a sentinel, a guard. It's a military word. He's there guarding that peace of God, guards our hearts and our minds. The two doors in our hearts and our minds. And God has taken care of both. His peace guards our hearts and our minds. Let me sum it up today. What do we need to do? We need to recognize that the Lord is at hand. The Lord is near. He has not left us. He has not forsaken us. He is right beside us every moment of the day. We need to recognize that anything can be overcome by everything of God. The peace of God that passes all understanding. Thirdly, we need to recognize that peace comes in response to asking. Which brings us to that challenge. What's your prayer life like? What is our prayer life like? Are we hit and miss? Are we patchy? Or are we constant, consistent? And there will be those moments throughout the day where there will be those panic prayers, those immediate prayers that are required. But sometimes we forget those panic prayers because our lifestyle is not one of prayer, of going to God and requesting of him, Lord, I need your grace today. I read autobiographies right and regular. And listen, you all, you have your time where you sit down for devotions. But can I encourage you to make the morning your prayer time? And that may be 10, 15 minutes or longer. And just to take that time to pray and say, Lord, keep me today. Be my strength today. Start the day with God. We read of Daniel and others who prayed consistently throughout the day. It was Daniel prayed five times a day. And we sometimes think, well, five times a day. Well, we don't know how long it was, but we know his lifestyle was a lifestyle of prayer, making requests to God, giving adoration, giving worship to God, confessing sin to God, thanking God for everything that he has done in our lives. And then we just build upon that. But we're looking for peace, we've got to ask for it. This is what Paul's saying to the Philippians. This is the standard of Scripture. We expect, but the Father asks us to come to him and request to him. Why? Because we're in relationship with him. If we're not coming to him and we're just going panic time, what are we doing? We're taking advantage of the Father. Our relationship with him is a selfish relationship. And listen, 
The Father being so good can answer those prayers and does many a time answer those prayers. But we want a better relationship with our Father. Where we go to him and say, Father, I worship you. I lift you up. I exalt you. Father, here's my concerns. You know where I am. This is troubling me. Not the absence of trouble, but it's taking it to him and saying, Father, this is troubling me. Would you give me your peace? Would you answer me? Would you change this? But while you're changing it, will you give me your peace to stand strong in the midst of it? We need to look at our prayer lives. And this peace will keep us, it will keep our hearts, and it will keep our minds. It will keep us from doubting. Like James talks about, we're, we're tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine because we're not running to the one who can provide all of our needs. We're not running to the one who gives us his peace, the peace that we need. We're trying to find it here. We're trying to find That's what the world does. That's the life that God has saved us from. And he has brought us into his family. And he says, come to me. Cast all your cares upon me, for I care for you. He will look after our hearts and our minds. In Christ Jesus. I love the way that is. I don't like the illustration they've got for us. Look at the sandwich there. The Lord is at hand in Christ Jesus. But it's the only way I can describe it. Everything there falls within Christ. The Lord is at hand in Christ Jesus. In him is our peace. The peace that only he can give. The peace that he had purchased on Calvary's tree is ours. The Lord is at hand in Christ Jesus. We haven't time to comment on it because there's more instructions. We read it. There's things we have to do. Whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable. If there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. While God's pouring in his peace, let's think upon the good things that Christ has done for us. Let's not say, I don't have this and I don't have that. I think as human beings, sometimes we have a tendency to look at what we don't have. And we need to look at what we do have. And what is coming to us when he comes again. Do you need peace this morning? There is the peace of God. Let me ask you this morning, have you requested it from him? And are you continually praying? Are you continually praying? Lord, I need your grace. Give me your peace. It's not a one-shot deal. It's keep coming to the Father. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning.
that the Lord is at hand. The Lord is near. Father, we acknowledge this morning that that is the foundation of all of our prayer lives, that you are at hand and that we can come to you at any moment and make our requests made known to you and you will answer. Father, we thank you this morning for who you are. We thank you that you have called us into your family. And we thank you, Father, that you're responsible for us. You know what we need. You know our food that we need. You know our clothing that we need. You know. Father, there are your people here this morning, and they're all in different situations. Father, you know. You know what they need. Father, I just pray and that your peace, the peace of God, would just permeate every area of their life and would guard their hearts and their minds. Father, the situation may not change, but we don't at times need the situation to change. We need you to flood us with your peace, that we can stand strong and that we can rejoice in the depths of our hearts and in the depths of our minds because we are in the Lord. Father, I pray for your people this morning that wherever they are, that you would draw close to them, that you would help them to pray, that you would help them to be consistent in prayer. And that, Lord, that they will see a greater life of prayer and how you answer their prayers from this day forth. Father, you are everything. And we give you the glory and we give you the honor. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal or visit our website for more information, www.mpc.org.uk.